0: Southeast Radio's morning mix chat news and your views Alan
1: Corcoran Richard competitiveness in the whole haulage area the situation within the haulage area there are major concerns about this and you are amongst the most concerned can you tell me why I
0: can um, what I've been seeing in the last while is uh, just our general competitiveness has been eroded now that's been in, passed on entirely to the main uh, manufacturers in Ireland if you like mainly uh, would, what would be indigenous um, Irish companies, Enterprise Ireland clients, those type of companies. And it's, it's very alarming because we, we saw this before in 2006-07. I actually remember a former shop where he suggested um, one of people like us bringing this to the fore they say, um, it didn't know how people who engaged in moaning and cribbing about the economy didn't commit suicide. Do you remember the one? Do you remember that?
1: 2007, the quote is, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And it was two years, two two and a bit years later, the, company was in, or the country was in receivership. Hmm. Now, then it was put to those same indigenous companies. So when the global uh, companies pulled back, as they do, which is what happens, but the indigenous ones can't go anywhere, so they have to just get on with it. But they were the ones then that performed and pulled us back by exporting to the four corners of the earth because they could, they, re- they retained uh, their competitiveness. That got that solved the unemployment crisis, it made us uh, lean and competitive again, and we do more exporting than we've done in our in our lifetime. Hmm. My issue is you would never see this happen in Germany. This would never happen in Germany. You do not give away um, unique selling points or edges.
1: You you tell us the rebate that we have. We've been told it's going. For those of us not involved in the haulage industry, what are we talking about the rebate and your concerns over this?
0: a a diesel rebate in Ireland for for the transfer business from when fuel gets expensive, it's a release thing There. Now, it's not near big enough. It should, be about, it should be in line with Benjamin France. It should be three, three and a half times what it is. They keep talking about getting rid of it. Now, let me bring you into today's world. I hear lots of talk of Article 16 being triggered. All of a sudden, Britain is gone, and there's tariffs on those goods. Now, now you see how vulnerable we are. And if you look at us in a map of Europe without the UK, these things really, really matter. And all they're just being spirited away with one tax after another after another. I just think it just has to stop. This, uh, our combat, we're an island off an island on the west of Europe. Hmm. You've got to remember that.
1: Okay, there's a skills shortage uh, uh, and you want to highlight this as well and we're, this is well known uh, about this skills shortage. How is it affecting your business? How is it affecting Nolan Transport? Um,
0: mass- massively. Um, look, the, there's there's two or three things I suppose on on the shopping list of the of the industry itself, one of them definitely is a recognition of a skills shortage. Now, as if somebody needs to, needs me to tell you or your listeners that there's a HGV driver shortage. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's been in the press, international press, since May this year. So we've been recruiting everywhere really, and um, this year all over where we could recruit, uh, mainly Eastern Europe, um, South Africa a bit. Um, The the permits piece for South Africa, they're cumbersome, but I'm told they will improve, I believe them. uh, We'll just have to see how that goes. Remember, we've been employing foreign HGV drivers since 1990. We're a big exporting country. We're not like the UK. The UK consumes a lot. We're like a sort of a mini Germany. HGV like, driver license recognition is urgently needed for, uh, say, the Ukraine and Argentina. These two countries have been identified specifically in that there's, there's drivers available there. They want to come here. Their competence is good. Hmm. And they drive the very same trucks as we do. They're made in Germany, Holland, Sweden, and, and they drive at the same skill level as we do. And in, some, in, 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 a, in a lot of cases, their skills are far superior hmm. to ours. So, I've been told since the 16th of June there was a cross-departmental group looking at this to make this happen. This is a simple recognition of international licences. Once you do that, we can insure the people and right. then get the, the visas and what have you.
1: Okay, what's, now, the, what's the update on this, Richard? Because you believe that the, there's a phantom supply chain committee and I'd love to you to, tell, to oh, share okay. more. Go what on. is all this about?
0: Oh my God. Look, um, the driver shortage piece is totally within our control, right? So the RSA either recognises the licences or don't recognise the licences with whatever reasons. There's this committee put in place by the Department of Transport. What they do, we don't know. What their terms of reference is, we don't know. What they're coming back with, we don't know. But this happened in June 21 to assess the driver shortage. I mean, we don't... We don't We don't know what they're recommending it sounds like crap to me um when a six-year-old could look at the television in the summer and tell you exactly what's going on to date i know from uh my contacts in the ukraine and in argentina nothing has happened and that is with the department of transport by the rsa it's part of the same group I've seen the licences, I've seen the background to the licences, I've seen the ISO things that sit behind these licences, it's an absolute disgrace, it's a joke, they talk about a committee, the committee, what committee? It's a phantom, it doesn't exist.
1: It's absolute bull. Fleet renewal is another issue you'd like to talk to me about this morning, post-COVID, and in line with chi- climate change requirements, because it's all very well to go down this route of uh, protecting the environment, but it's going to take costs. And for just remind people how many trucks you actually have on the road globally.
0: We've in excess of, there's, there's five or 600 in there, okay. maybe a bit more at times. It's, um, it's it's a bigger company. It's international. There's a lot in the UK, in France and Spain as well. So, But... Let's, let's just look at this, right? <clears throat> so we're global citizens, the same as everybody else is. There's a 51% reduction in national emissions. It's a tall order now. And I believe we, we, we should play our part. You know, I really do. Um, but you have to understand the spin that's out there and understand the categorization if you want to deal with this, if you really want to deal with this. Best One of the best interviews I've seen is, is uh, Bill Gates. He done it in, in uh, 2019 in the um, Economic Club in Washington. And he talked, he made the distinction between passenger cars and trucks, ships, planes, big vehicles, big, heavy vehicles. And the requirements were very, very different. Whereas a battery could work for a passenger car, it just can't work in the other ones. And the reason is torque. And he nails the issue down to the... the um, uh, liquid fuels and the density required is is about thirty times so it it's uh, it's it 's simply torque and mathematics, so at least we figured out what works, but he was talking about liquid fuels of the future now he may have been talking about hydrogen, but that is that is well away that is ten fifteen years away but if if that happens, that'd be fantastic i mean superb hmm. so there are things we so in in while we 're waiting on this this fantasy of, of hydrogen trucks to come, there's actually a grant, would you believe, for uh, alternative, alternatively-fuelled heavy-duty vehicle. Uh, it's a purchase grant scheme. It is... I don't know what they're talking about. It's fantasy world. And, and, and in giving out this, the government are pretending they're doing something when they're actually doing nothing, because they give out something that they know can't work. So, they, in effect, they, they say they give out something, but they actually give out nothing. And they lead you and the public astray, and me as well. Well, they try to. We put a gas truck on a, on a ferry, it becomes a bomb, that doesn't work so good. Right. Electric doesn't work. Either. We can get an electric truck in Switzerland for 400 grand, but it doesn't go up a hill. You know? Right. Things like this, you know? So,
1: what, what do it, you it, think the just, solution is then? What, immediately, what, what are you calling for?
0: Well, it's important you bear in mind that EU state rules is around some of this, and uh, they can't help out, they say they can't help out anything where it's just a diesel-only powered vehicle. Fine, let's take that on board then, okay? The most important point to make here is we, as users, we we don't make the trucks and we don't make the fuels, but we have to arrange it in a way that works the very, very best. Now, if the government are really, really serious about reducing emissions by 50%, If they're really serious about this, then just simply change the fuel type. Now, by that, I mean we could switch over to Euro, well, Euro 6 are coming, Euro 6 plus, and Euro 7. It's a a categorization of engine. Um, In that, we can do this emissions thing, and I'm going to tell you why, and I'll get to the fuel in a second. In, to, to assist with that, you're looking at capital allowances. The capital allowances are already available in the UK. It's not, it's not that big of a deal, you know. And it allows the industry to invest in itself. So, but the, the, the country gets the money back because it invests in itself and it upskills. Uh, further to that then, add in a scrappish scheme to accelerate this. if they're really serious about this. The fuel I'm talking about is HVO. It's called hydrated vegetable oil. Um, it was here actually before and it was in County Wexford, would you believe? Right. But it was done away with around 2005, six, 7. So basically you could create your own fuel in this country by growing uh, rapeseed. Uh, I think it's mainly rapeseed. It then goes through an industrial process. And this fuel, once it goes through this process, can go into the very same truck that it can take diesel oil on one fill. And then on the next fill, it can take HVO.
1: Have you floated HBO. this idea to the government, Richard? Have you given them yes, this idea? Yes, uh, yes. uh, 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 the response been? What has the response been?
0: The usual. Nothing. Hmm. Zero. Nada. Or hmm. this won't work, or that won't work. Right. Now, the reality is that once you set yourself up for this, then the fuel, just think about it, right? So let's say you, you can only do every second fill of fuel. That's 50% reduction because this um, fuel omit no, it's not a fossil fuel. But it's actually, if you think of all the barley growing here, it's a a natural break crop. It's a fantastic idea. I don't know why they're not doing this. This is actually adopted in Sweden. They know they can't solve it with uh, electric or gas, so they they go with HVO to the trucks where possible, and there is no duty whatsoever on HVO. Now, here's the one about the fuel that's going to get you. HVO, you could bring that in today, tomorrow, I could have it in from Ellesmere Port in, in the UK. As long as I'm going to cook chips in it or put it in a deep fat fryer, no problem. But as soon as I put that into a truck, I have to pay duty on it because it's a fuel. Mm. The fuel on that is, is like 50%, which means that it's actually more expensive than the diesel oil that we use today. So it makes no sense. There's no encouragement to use it. Okay. Which is, If you just think about it, Adam, Yeah. you're a layperson. Euro 6 and Euro 7s, they bring a further... 30% reduction in fuel and they eliminate no knocks and no socks. Wow. This is brilliant.
1: All right, get so, on to the, uh, the, 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 the rebate for me. This is really interesting as well. Rebate. Okay, so
0: here's how it works, right? So you have certain industries that they just have to use currently uh, diesel oil or something like this. There's no alternative. Um, I listened to Pascal Dunning and he said, our, our planet's on fire, we have to tax you carbon tax. Well done, Pascal. What are you going to do with it? How how does that affect us? With no solution to us whatsoever. Nothing. So we have no alternative. Equally, when you look at the agriculture industry, and you look at the fishing industry, and all of the transport industry, we have no alternative right now. In Belgium and France, there's an essential user fuel rebate system. Do you remember the French fuel strikes?
1: Yeah, I do. Not that long ago.
0: You'll never see... Uh, far did you, did you see did you notice all the trucks that were on strike and fishermen yes. and tractors I- they weren 't that 's my point they weren 't they weren 't on it because they 're part of a few rebate system. there were individuals that were on strike right and that 's sensible it 's clever as well because you can retain your industries while you change society so if the government can raise funds. They can change persons' habits and actions without losing the industry competitiveness that we talked about earlier on in the conversation. Mm. So you have to protect that whilst that changes. Ireland's fuel rebate mechanism has to be recalibrated in line with Belgium and France. Simple as that. Again, I go back. If you look at us in isolation away from the UK, ooh, it's very lonely. It gets very, very lonely very quickly. We need a level playing field and to make... Us, as competitive, we are an island nation uh, on the periphery of the UK. Uh, You know, this has been presented to government, I'd say, for the last seven of the last ten years. Hmm. And it's just use a current phrase, blah, blah, blah,
1: you know. <laughs> okay, look, we will go back to the government to get a response on this. Uh, and uh, I know you've been dealing with Minister of State, uh, uh, Troy, as well. So we'll go back to him and to his department as well. But in in, uh, in the strongest part of this statement that I received from you, the, the final chapter says, policy deficit towards the industry was no direct engagement. And you are scathing in your criticism of the various ministers. Would you like to tell me why and uh, how long this has been going on?
0: I, I look, I, I, I think it's, so the, the things I've, I've, I've spoken to you before, they're, they're industry things, shopping lists, if you will, but industry things, technical things. But policy changes those. And what we've seen is a total policy deficit towards the road transport industry with no direct engagement whatsoever. In effect, it's set up to fail. So since May 16, we have had absentee ministers asleep at the wheel Again and again, it it would remind you of the global financial crisis. Who was the transport minister? Uh, Back then, who was the uh, the, the, um, financial regulator, what have you? There has been no engagement since 16. We've had five transport ministers, Shane Ross, Patrick O'Donovan, Brendan Griffin, and now it's Eamon Ryan and Hildegard Nocton. It has been disgraceful, and it's their absentee transport ministers. They will talk about scooters, they'll talk about anything, they'll talk about air traffic control, but they will not engage with our industry. And we're left to deal with departments who carry out policy. They don't make policy. We need policy to change. But when there's no engagement by the minister, then you have the minister, in effect, suffering from Stockholm syndrome with the department. No change. No interaction, a huge, a, a lot of arrogance and a lot of, uh, it, it's really, really poor. I actually met Minister Nocton in October because she was unavailable to take a phone call, a simple phone call, in July or August or September. I I, I couldn't believe the meeting. I mean, she, she just doesn't get it. This is the first Minister for Logistics we've ever had. Maybe she can't get it because she works for... the the minister for transport who's Eamon Ryan who doesn't want to listen I've had little or no engagement with him to be fair I'm not talking about me as an individual I'm talking about the industry representatives but they're they're just the Mm. sadness kicked in the face it's just bad okay um I I feel I feel that they're not listening they're not going to listen And I think it's disgraceful. Can you imagine an industry that has no direct ministerial engagement in five years? That would never happen in fisheries. That would never happen in agriculture. That would never happen in any other industry. But it's happened in our industry. Now, I will tell you this. There are other ministers in Cabinet and elsewhere that know this is wrong.
1: We want to conclude. um, There are rumours of a potential blockade on the ports. Can you shed some light on that for us?
0: Yeah, I've I've heard about that. And I've I've also heard of some other grouping. I'm not familiar with them at all. Um, It's a social media thing. I don't know much about it, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I can see why. Um, You you ignore people. You kick them into a corner. By the way, if it's about... The price of diesel and carbon taxes and what have you. I can kind of see why, but really those taxes, um, they're coming down to us with no reason as to what else we can do except impossible things that just don't make any sense. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I don't have a direct insight into it, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. No, no, I wouldn't. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix.